Hello, and welcome to the Pathway Podcast. Our mission is to help you know God, find family, and make a difference. Enjoy today's message. Nineveh is in modern-day Mosul, Iraq. And so, you know, you've seen that on the news lately in the last several years. Mosul, Iraq, that's modern-day, or, or that was ancient Nineveh. You can see the ruins of Nineveh there today. You can Google it or look it up on YouTube. And think about Nineveh was that it wasn't just a nice city like with Starbucks. This was a city that would literally, they would brag. We know through ancient text, they would brag about skinning people alive. They would brag about the impaling people and, and, I mean, cutting their heads off while they're still alive. It was like the more gory and gruesome, the better it was. I mean, it was, it was such a violent, horrific, horrendous culture. I mean, one of the worst in, in the known world at that time. Jonah is Jewish, and people in Nineveh and the Assyrian Empire hate the Jewish people. And God's going to tell Jonah to go to Nineveh and to tell them that God wants to forgive them, and if they don't repent, and, and we're going to look at that. And Jonah says no. In fact, we have a map, and you can see that, of where Jonah uh, is from and where God wants him to go in Nineveh to where he actually tries to get on a boat to go to. So from Jonah being in Israel to Nineveh is about 500 miles. From Jonah going to where he wants to go in Tarsus, southern Spain, 2,500 miles. So he's not just like he lost his direction and Siri's saying, make a U-turn. It's not that. He's like, I know, Siri. I'm turning you off. I'm out of here. And that's what's going on. And before we think too harshly about Jonah, I want you to think about if God asked you several years ago, remember ISIS, when ISIS was really a big threat, if God told you one day when you were praying, hey, I want you to leave everything behind, And I want you to go to ISIS in Mosul, Iraq, and witness to the ISIS fighters and tell them that I am God and that I love them and want to forgive them. What emotions would be going through your head? What would you be thinking about? You might be going 2,500 miles the opposite direction, too. That's where Jonah is. So check this out. In Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amadai, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked the people are. But Jonah got up and went the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for they had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it, they groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to stop the storm? Now, here's this thing that I I find interesting. 
is that Jonah, what did we just say his main job was? A prophet. What does he do? He prays. He talks to God. And yet, during this storm, it says that they're pagan sailors. These sailors didn't believe in the beginning the God of Jonah. And when the storm comes, what do the pagan sailors do? They beg Jonah to pray to his God. In other words, they have to beg Jonah to do his job. This tells me this, that Jonah is a man that lost his purpose. His purpose was to tell people about God. His purpose was to share the message of God, and especially to pagan sailors. But instead, Jonah is more concerned with his own safety than he is telling other people about God. And they have to beg him to do his job. It's, it's fascinating to me that there's a storm, and everybody can see it but Jonah. I mean, it talks about how the storm, and really, by the way, the storm is one of the main characters in this story. But it says that the storm was getting worse all the time, and it's like the moment Jonah got on board, the clouds started forming. The sailors are up top fighting their life, fearing for their life, and they can feel the wind, and they can feel the waves and the, the sea salt in their mouth, and, and they're soaking wet, and they're fighting and struggling to save the ship because they know they're about to drown. And Jonah's asleep in the bottom. You know what this tells me? I just wonder how many times in our lives, in my life, in your life, that there's a storm brewing in our life and everybody else can see it but us. I mean, have you ever been in a situation where you know someone and, and if you're sitting next to them, you know, just look at me. But if you're sitting, and, and it's like there's a storm brewing in their life and you're like, man, what are you doing? I would never do that. That's a horrible decision. I would never treat my spouse like that or my kids. I would never do this at my job. What are you thinking? And they're like, well, I mean, you know, it's not that big a deal. And Well, you don't understand my life, and you don't understand my situation. Could it be that we're just like Jonah, and we're oblivious to the storm that we have caused ourselves by our actions and our choices and decisions? That's where Jonah is. Everybody else can see it, and they're trying to wake him up, but he's like oblivious to the storm. Listen, what is it in your life that God is trying to deal with, but you keep avoiding? Is there something in your life that God is trying to gently nudge you, gently whisper to you, gently get your attention, but you keep avoiding, keep thinking, well, I'll deal with that later on. I'll deal with that whenever this happens in my life, and I'll address it then, or it's not that big a deal. Be careful that we don't make light of serious issues in our life. All the time, God is trying to deal with Jonah, but all the time, Jonah keeps ignoring God. He keeps running farther and farther away from God. I think we got to be careful of that. Listen, I would just say this, that the more you ignore God, the louder God gets. And the more you run away from God, the more you run into God. With Jonah, the more he is running away from God, he's actually running into God. When he runs away from God, from, from Joppa, he runs into God in the storm. And we're going to read in a few moments. But when he tries to run away from the storm, he runs into God in the form of a great fish. And listen, it's, it's the storm. It's not that it's God's anger. The storm is God saying, hey, Jonah, remember in like verse 1 when I just said, hey, I want you to go to, to Nineveh? I was, I was just telling you that in a whisper, but you ignored me. Notice this whole time, Jonah never even addresses God. Jonah doesn't even try to bargain with God. Jonah says nothing. He totally ignores God and knows what he wants to do. In other words, Jonah is his own idol. God, I'm going to do what I want to do. And God, I will serve you as long as it's comfortable, as long as it's good for me. But the moment it gets a little uncomfortable, the moment you start to deal with some major things in my life, I'm out of here. 
And so God says, look, you, you didn't listen to me in the whisper. And so now I got I to gotta get a little louder. Are you going to listen to me in the storm? No, I'm not. Okay, I'll get a little louder. Maybe you'll listen to me when you're three days in the belly of a fish. Could it be that, that the more you try to ignore God, and you're like, man, my life's getting worse and worse. Could it be that God is saying, no, 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 you ignored me three months ago or six months ago or a year ago, and I'm still trying to get your attention, but you keep ignoring me, and so I kind of have to raise the stakes because I love you, and I'm trying to get through to you. That's the case with Jonah. Listen, I believe this. You can fill your life with many things, but only God can fill it with purpose. You can fill your life, I mean, let's just be honest, it's America. You could fill your life with whatever you want. It's America. It can happen for you. Like, you can figure out a way to make it happen. You can fill your life with anything, but only God will fill it with purpose. You can fill it with politics. You can fill it with money. You can fill it with fame. Whatever you want, but only God gives you purpose. Here's the thing that I I find interesting. As we said, I believe this, that the storm brings grace. The storm is a major figure. Look at what it says in in chapter 1, verse 12. Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rode even harder to get the ship to land. But the storm was too violent for them, so they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh, Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin. And don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh, Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. I think it's It's interesting that God is sending the fish to rescue Jonah. God was actually sending the storm not to punish Jonah, but to rescue him from himself. Jonah, by all accounts, even if you read chapter 4 at the end, and it's a short chapter, is pretty much a racist. He just absolutely, he would rather die than go and preach the message of God to the heathens in Nineveh. And God is saying, Jonah, like, I want to do some great things in your life. But before I can do that, i got to deal with some things in you. Could it be that God wants to do amazing things in your life? Things that you could never imagine or comprehend or even conceive. But before God can do that through you, he's got to deal with some things on the inside of you. But you got to let him do it and quit avoiding him and running the opposite direction. And so many times God's saying, man, I want to, I am looking for reasons to bless you, but I will not bless you. I cannot bless you. I refuse to bless you when you have some things in your heart that I have to deal with first. Like, like instead, so many times when the storms come, we beg God to take away the storm. But I just want to submit to you, could it be that God is sending the storm to rescue you from yourself, to rescue you from the decisions that you've made? And so listen, stop fighting the storm because you're not fighting the storm. You're fighting God's grace that he sent to rescue you from the situation that you're in. That's the case of the storm. I mean, God didn't send it to punish him. He sent it to say, hey, turn the ship around, Jonah, not this way. I mean, if God was going to punish him, he could have sent lightning to hit the ship, burn it up, and they all drown. If God was going to punish Jonah, he could have let Jonah be thrown into the ocean and drown and die. 
But instead, what do we see time and time again? God rescues Jonah with a storm. He still ignores it. He rescues him for a fish. And the first two days, he ignores it. Finally, on the third day, he wises up and changes his heart. Could it be the storms in your life, whether it's your making or not, could it be that God is saying, I'm in the storm to rescue you, and if you keep ignoring me, I'll send a fish to swallow you. I mean, maybe not literally. That would be crazy, but whatever it is. And so the whole time in your life now for the past several months, you've been thinking, it's getting worse. It's getting worse. And God's saying, no, 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 it's my grace. It's my grace. If you'll just turn back to me, you want to know how to get the storm to stop in your life. It's not what the sailors did and row harder. It is turning to God and asking him for forgiveness, turning to God and giving your life to him and asking him for his wisdom and direction in your life. The sailors, I think it's interesting, they rode harder and harder and harder. It wasn't working. But instantly it says when Jonah was overboard, the sea was calm. And what did they do? Worship God. That's the only way to get out of the storm that you're in. The only way, look, you can work harder. You can spend more time at the office. You can work 60 hours a week, 70 hours a week. You can make more money. You can get rid of this relationship and exchange it for somebody else. And the storm will still be there because the only way to get out of it is to by turning your heart to God. And to realize it's his grace in the middle of that storm. I love that. I believe this with all my heart. Notice what it says in chapter 2, verse 5. Jonah's been in this fish whale for at least two days. And look at verse 5. He says this, I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth. Whose gates lock shut forever? But you, O Lord, my God, snatched me from the jaws of death as my life was slipping away. I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their back on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill my vows. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Look at Look at verse 10. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Look at chapter 3. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver this message I have given you. This time Jonah obeyed and the Lord's command and went out to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, Forty days from now and Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne, took off his royal robes, he dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even animals from your herds or flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. The people and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet, God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. And I love verse 10. When God saw that they, what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Here's the reality. Jesus rescues and restores. 
I think it's fascinating that Jonah, and again, you know, I, I wasn't there. The Bible doesn't say, so we got to be a little careful. But I just have to believe that if Jonah would have prayed what he said in chapter 2, verse 9, oh, God, my salvation comes from you alone, and then instantly he spit out onto the beach, it kind of leads me to believe that like the first day, Jonah's like, I'll stay in the fish. Just don't send me to Nineveh. Like, this is better. I'll, I'll just stay in here. And the second day, is starting to smell because he smells like fish, which is disgusting. And, he, and, he, and he's in there, and sea, he says seaweed is wrapped around his head. It's pitch black dark, and the digestive juices are starting to work their way into him. And finally, on day three, he says, okay, God, enough's enough. You have my attention. The storm didn't get my attention. The first two days in the fish didn't get my attention. But now, God, I return to you. And notice what he says, my salvation comes from you alone and instantly God rescued him and put him on the beach. Here's the good news that instantly when you give your life to Jesus you are restored. You are rescued. It's not religion. It's turning to Jesus and instantly God can rescue you from the situation that you're in. It'll stop the storm. It'll get you out of the fish and you'll be where God wants you to be in your life. It's never too late. I mean, It's fascinating. This is a, really, the, the story of Jonah is about this racist prophet. That's part of it. But the bigger picture, it's honestly a story about God's grace. God's grace with Nineveh. He could have destroyed them, but he didn't. God's grace with Jonah. And it tells me this, it's never too late. It wasn't too late for Nineveh. 120,000 people. I mean, listen, they got so serious about Jesus, about, about serving God, even their animals are praying. Like, I mean, think about that, how amazing that is. Like, look, don't even feed your animals. They're going to pray and fast too. How's that going to work? I don't know, but we're serious, okay? Like, we're serious. Even their animals prayed and fast. It's never too late. You might be thinking, man, the story's too bad in my life. I've messed up too many times, and, and what I've done is too bad. No, no, no. It's never too late. God will always hear the prayer of forgiveness. He will always listen when you ask him. He is right there to rescue you and restore you. It's never too late. You're never too far. He will rescue you instantly if you ask. He won't force you to. God could have forced Jonah. He's God. He could have said, Jonah, go to Nineveh. Jonah's like, no. Oh, no, you're going whether you want to or not. But no, Jonah had that choice. Jonah, I'm sending a storm because I love you, not because I, I'm punishing you. I'm still going to ignore you, God. Okay. Jonah, I'm not giving. See, I think sometimes we give up on ourselves way longer before God gives up on us because God never gives up on us. You might give up on other people, and you might think, I'm too messed up. I failed too many times. God's saying, look, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get your attention because I love you, and I have a purpose and plan for your life. This is interesting. In chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Jonah, son of Amadei. And son of Amadei means literally in Hebrew, the Old Testament was written in the Hebrew language that, that Jewish people in Israel still use today. Son of Amadei means son of my faithfulness. You think, now wait a minute. We just read like most of the story and Jonah's anything but faithful. So that doesn't make sense. Son of my faithfulness and he's not faithful to God. He's not faithful to anything. And why would he be called that? Here's the good news. It's not about Jonah's faithfulness. It's about God's faithfulness. Look, it's not about your faithfulness because you're not perfect and you're going to mess up and I mess up. But God's faithfulness to you will never let you go. He is always there and he'll never give up. He'll never quit on you. It's not about your faithfulness and lack thereof. It's about his faithfulness to you, even if it cost him his life, which it did. 
God's faithfulness. You know, I mean, what a lot of us would have done, what God could have done was say, fine, Jonah, have it your way. I'm going to let you drown. But God didn't because of his grace and his love for Jonah. Then God could have said, well, Jonah, I'll tell you what, I'll rescue you from the fish, but I'm going to send someone else to Nineveh. You need to go back to school. You need to pray some more. You're just, you're not quite there yet. A lot of us would have done that. I probably would have done that. But notice what God does. He spit out onto the beach. He says, now, Jonah, will you go? Jonah gives up and go. What does that tell us about the character and the nature of God? That when you give your life to Jesus, it doesn't matter how messed up you are. It doesn't matter how bad the storm was, how bad you smell from the fish and the environment you've been in. It doesn't matter what you did last night. Because when you give your life to Jesus instantly, God will restore you back to your purpose. We said in the beginning, this is a guy that lost his purpose. But now what do we see him doing? Fulfilling the purpose for which God created him. It's never too late. God rescues you from the storm, and then he restores you instantly to your purpose. God doesn't say, well, first, you need to go to church for like six months before I can use you again. No, 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 that's not God. Well, first, I need, you to, I need to see you pray like for five hours. I need to make sure you can really read the Bible. No, no, no. God says, instantly, Jonah, let's get back to work. That is called grace. I heard somebody say a long time ago, grace is if we were all running a marathon. And you tripped and stumbled, and the whole pack of the marathon went on way ahead of you. Grace is God coming along beside you, picking you up, cleaning you off, and then not saying, okay, now start from where you are and try to catch up. That's not the grace of God. No, God says, hey, let's get in this golf cart, and we're going to get to the head of the pack where you should have been all along, and I'm going to drop you off there, and I'm going to keep cheering you on the rest of the race. That's grace. That's the grace that only Jesus can give. You know, as we say every week as we've been doing this series, Jesus is the main figure in all of world history. He's the only one that split time in half. All of history points to Jesus. The entire Bible is about Jesus. He's on every page if you look. Jesus and Jonah actually have a lot in common. In fact, Jesus in Matthew chapter 12, the first book of the New Testament, he, he says, hey, I have a lot in common with Jonah. And he goes on to give some details. But they have a lot in common, but they also have a lot that's different. That, that Jesus and Jonah both, as Jonah says, I spent three days in the belly of death. He wasn't physically dead, but he said, I'm as good as dead for three days and three nights with no way out. Jesus spent three days and three nights literally dead in a grave that's really where the similarities end, begin, end right there because then I think well no, no let's take it a step farther how did Jonah get in the, the belly of death how did he get in the, in the fish for three days and three nights because he was selfish because Jonah cared more about his own comfort than he did his calling that God put on his life. Sometimes I think we care more about our comfort and those around us that are like us than we do God's calling us to be around people different from us like Jonah. That's a whole other message. If you want to hear that, come next week because we're going to talk about that. But I think it's interesting that Jonah gets there because he's selfish. Jonah says quite literally, throw me overboard. In other words, I would rather die than go to Nineveh. I don't care about those 120,000 people. They can be destroyed and burned forever for all I care. He's selfish. That's how he gets in the whale, the fish. But Jesus, how did he get in the grave for three days and three nights? The opposite. Jesus gets in the grave three days and three nights. 
because he's selfless. Jonah cared more about himself than he did reaching hurting people. Jesus said, I will die to reach hurting people. Jonah's selfish. Jesus was selfless. I care more about you than my own life. And if it takes the last breath of my life, then so be it. I will die. I will stop at nothing to reach you. That's what Jesus does. Jonah gets out, and he rescues the city of Nineveh. His heart still isn't completely right. Read chapter 4. Jesus gets out and rescues the entire world. I just want to ask you, what is it that God needs to rescue you from today? I mean, maybe it's rescue you from yourself and decisions that you've made. What does God need to rescue you from? The storm, the fish, whatever it is in your life? Because here's the the cool thing about God. When God does rescue you, and all you have to do is turn to Him, you don't have to go to a class or this big long thing, just simply turn to Him. But when God does rescue, I think it's so cool that God uses one guy, far from perfect guy, one guy to reach a city of 120,000 people. We've been using this word a lot lately at Pathway because it's true. Revival is happening here every Sunday, and it just is, and I'm so thankful for it, and we want it more and more and more of what God's doing. But, but by all accounts, and I've studied a lot of revival, I love that, but there's never been a revival like this where 120,000 people turned to God in a three-day period. Never happened before in the history of the world. And, and as far as I can tell, has not happened since. That many people in that short a time. If God can use this guy when he finally rescues him, what could God do with you? God doesn't need an army. He just needs one. He needs one person. You want to reach your school for Jesus? God says, and I'll use you. You want to reach this community? God says, I'll use you. I just need one that is willing, and I'll use you to change your world. I just, as I was thinking about this, over the past several weeks, and especially this week, I honestly, when I got to this part, I had tears. and Because I was thinking, you know, if I'm in Nineveh this whole time while Jonah's doing his escapade here, I mean, I'm thinking, I'm living my life and everything's okay, but something's not right deep down. Something is, something is missing in my life. And here comes a guy telling me to turn to God, and instantly I turn to God. In other words, Nineveh was waiting on Jonah to rescue them and to tell them about God. Could it be that Yukon is a Nineveh, people waiting for you and you and you to reach them and tell them about the goodness of Jesus? Could it be that there are people in your family, at your job, and at your school that are just desperately waiting on you? They don't know what they need, like the people of Nineveh, but when they hear the goodness of God, the message of Jesus, they say instantly, that's what I've been missing, that's what I need. Thank you for coming. Thank you for telling me about Jesus. Nineveh, as wicked as they were, God loves Yukon, Canadian County, and Mustang, and Piedmont, and El Reno, and Bethany, and the OKC Metro, and Oklahoma, and the United States, and Republicans, and Democrats. He loves them all, but he wants us to reach them for him. That's the message of Jesus. It's the message of Jonah. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your truth. Thank you for the message of Jonah. This is not a fictional tale that was just make-believe. This was a real event that historically actually happened. 
And so, Father, we thank you for the lessons and the principles and the applications that we study and that we see clearly that help us for our lives. Father, we thank you for Jonah as flawed and messed up as he was because we see ourselves in Jonah as well. But, Father, we're so thankful that your grace is bigger than our stubbornness. Your grace is bigger than our rebellion. And you are just waiting to rescue and restore us. And when you do rescue and restore us, you want us to go change our world for you. You want us to change our Nineveh for you. We thank you and love you. Well, we are so glad that you joined us for this episode of the Pathway Church Podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes to come. And if you would like to connect with Pathway Church, text CONNECT to 400 400- 405-0339 today and one of our staff members will be in touch with you as soon as possible. We can't wait to see what God is doing in your life. We hope that you know God, find family, and make a difference. Have a great week.